Amen. Thank you guys. Oh, that's so good. So good. Uh, well, church, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to ask that you would open them up uh, to the book Psalms. We're, we're doing this study uh, called the Psalms of Ascent, right? Uh, the Psalms of Ascent. And this week, we're going to be in Psalm 123. Psalm 123. I'm going to pray for us as we prepare to dive headfirst here into the Word of God. Let us pray. Father, um, thank you for loving us. God, thank you for being so good to us. And Lord, thank you for your presence. Your word promises when two or more gathered that you are also there, that you're in our midst, that you are with us. I'm so thankful for all those that are joining us in worship right now online. And uh, Father, we just pray by the power of your spirit that you would come and meet with us in a special way, a special manifestation. Holy Spirit, we want to invite you in to come and and to take your proper role in our church. And you are the teacher of this church. And and we pray that you would lift up and exalt Jesus, that we might see him clearly, and that we might want him more than anything else this world has to offer. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Well, guys, if you have your Bibles, again, I'm in Psalm 123. It's just four verses that I'm going to read with you, explain a little bit along the way as as we're reading out of the CSB. There's a couple words that I think um, we need to expound upon. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. Like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand, so our eyes are on the Lord our God until He shows us favor. Now that word in the Hebrew, favor, uh, probably better translated mercy. Psalmist is saying, God, we're, we're looking to you and we're looking for, for mercy. Again, here it is. Show us mercy, Lord. Show us mercy. For we've had more than enough contempt. We have had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. Now, I don't know about you, but at first glance, I read those four verses, this psalm, and I go, okay, Lord, what does that have to, to do with us? What is, this, what is this about? What does it mean? And uh, it's not till you kind of get into the original language that it begins to unlock what the psalmist is really crying out to God about. And, and here it is, the key is in the final verse. I'll put it up on the screen for you. And this is what the Word of God says. Psalm 123, verse 4, we've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. Now, I've highlighted that word proud for you. That word proud, in Hebrew, it means to oppress or to treat violently. See, what, what the psalmist is saying is, is Lord, we've, we've had enough of this, God. We've had enough of this oppression. And, and you have to think back through the history of Israel. And, and Israel was all, almost always, it seemed like, being conquered by another nation. Oftentimes because of their sin. Sometimes though, just, just because of the fallen nature of the fallen world we live in. And, and so uh, the people that would sing these songs, remember this is all about a journey back to the presence of God. A journey back to the heart of God. And these people that are singing these songs, they're singing these songs unto God because they, they feel that distance. And, and so when they go to Jerusalem, it's special to be in the presence of God. And, and they would sing just these heart gut-wrenching prayers unto God. And this one is going, God, we are ready for this oppression to end. And so I want you to think uh, kind of for a moment in their shoes, even as they go to the city of God, that it's, it's really a city that, that's oppressed. It's a city, like in Jesus' day, for instance, it, it's run by the Romans. And kind of throughout the history of Israel, it was often that way. Sometimes it laid in, in ruin. And some people even think this psalm might have been written as, as, as Nehemiah uh, during that age. They're trying to rebuild the wall. Just when we, when we think through, or not written, but sung during those times. And so when we think through this, 
Okay, what does this have to do with us? And so I want to start before I, I, I even have a point for you. I just want to be honest with you. Guys, as a middle-aged white male living in America, I, I, don't, I don't really know what to tell you about oppression because I've never really experienced it, right? When I go to a store and I walk through the aisles, nobody ever follows me. I've never been pulled over in my vehicle because of the color of my skin. I've never feared uh, for my safety when I'm out on a jog. I've never had somebody question me um, while I was doing a job, right? Just because of the color of my skin, thought that I looked, I looked uh, somewhat suspicious. That's, that's never been my experience. So I, I can't talk to you this morning out of, out of my experience about what oppression uh, due to uh, injustice because of race or, or, or anything, I, I, I just can't speak to that. And so instead this morning, what I want to talk to you about uh, is something that I have experienced and something that the truth is we all experience no matter what color our skin is. And so that's the first point I've got up on the screen for you this morning. The first thing, I'm going to share four things with you. The very first thing I want you to know, guys, is that we all experience spiritual oppression. All right? We all experience spiritual oppression. So this psalm in particular was penned by King David, we believe. And, 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 and the same uh, King David that, that penned these words, these, these four verses talking about, God, we're, we're tired of this oppression, which is kind of hard to think through. You know, David had some phases in his life. That was definitely the case. Um, but, but, but when we think through this, that same David, he, he penned many psalms. And one of the psalms he penned was Psalm 51. In Psalm 51, 5, David cries out, Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Now, now David is not talking about the fact that he was conceived illegitimately. That's that's not what we believe. What we believe he's talking about is is this truth that he was born, uh, he came into this world uh, through two people that were sinners. Right? And his, his parents were sinners, and their parents were sinners, and their parents were sinners. And when you go all the way back, David's kind of talking about the sinfulness of humanity, going all the way back to Adam. Paul would say it this way in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 5, verse 12. He explains, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all have sinned. Right? Earlier in the book of Romans, chapter 3, he says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Later in Romans, in chapter 6, he says, the wage of that sin is death. And and here is the problem with this thing called sin. It's not just that ultimately it leads in death and separation to God, though that's the greatest problem. But Jesus said this thing called sin won't just kill us. It'll also incapacitate us, right? It'll put us in, in, like I I like the thought of, of shackles. And, and, and so here is what Jesus says in John 8, 34. Uh, he responds to the crowd. He says, truly, I, I tell you, everyone who commits sin, ready? Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So maybe you're watching this morning and, and that's not something you've kind of thought about. You've never thought about the fact that you've experienced spiritual oppression. But I'm here to tell you, brother, that the truth of God's word is that we've all experienced spiritual oppression. All right? That's the bad news. Now follow the bad news up with some good news, ready? Here's the good news, second point. That Jesus came to set us free from that oppression. Jesus came to set us free from sin and its power over us, 
right? And, and this is the heart of the gospel. As much as, as part of the gospel is that we've all sinned, that we all struggle with sin, that, that, that anyone who sins is a slave to sin, uh, equally a part of the gospel is that Jesus came to set sinners free, right? To set sinners free from the power that sin has over them. So early on in Jesus' ministry, when He shows up on the sin, uh, scene and He begins to teach, at one point He enters the synagogue in Capernaum and, uh, and He's going to read from the scroll of Isaiah. Now after He reads what I'm about to read to you, He sits down and says, today this has been fulfilled in your presence. It's so what does he read from the scroll of Isaiah? So this is Luke 4.18, the words that Jesus reads from the scroll of Isaiah. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me, because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. And, and look at this next part, ready? To set free the who? To set free the oppressed. Right? To set free the oppressed. And, and this is extremely good news because of our first point. Right? Because we've all experienced spiritual oppression. And so the great news of the gospel is that Jesus has come because we're oppressed. And what has He come to do? He has come to set free those that are oppressed. Right? And, and Jesus uh, speaks of that freedom in John chapter 8. And, and He says this. He says, listen, truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Now, now I read John 8.34 to you a second ago. What I didn't do is give you the whole picture. So here's the whole picture. Here's the context, right? So, so 8.34, he says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. But then he goes on in 35, he says, a slave doesn't remain in the household forever, but a son does, right? A son does remain forever. And then he says, so if the, now capital S, that's him, so if the son has set you free, you will really be free. And so here's, here's the beauty of the gospel is that we have all been born into sin. And that sin enslaves us. Uh, and, 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 and listen, the father of, of that sin, father of lies, his name is Satan, he's our oppressor. But Jesus came into the world to do what we couldn't, to die the death that we deserved, and, and listen, through not just his perfect life, but then his death, and then conquering death, we can be set free from the penalty of sin, which is death, but also from the power of sin that it has over our bodies. And so Jesus came to break us out of the bondage that Satan has put us in. Now, that's really good news. So we've got bad news, we've got good news. Unfortunately, I've got some more bad news for you, and that's the third point, ready, is that Satan is relentless in his pursuit of us, even after conversion. Right? Satan is relentless of his pursuit of us even after conversion. If there's somebody that knew that really well, uh, I, I like to think about Peter. And, and so Peter and, and, and Paul, and, and I'll read the scripture to you for a second, but I just want to set up. So, so Peter, uh, of anybody, man, boy, did he know the highs of being with Jesus. Right? And, and, and Peter loved the Lord. And, 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 and in fact, at one point he says, listen, God, even if everybody else forsakes you, I never will. Like, this is Peter who identified, you are the Christ, you're the Son of the living God. He says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And, and then what happens, man? And then Peter gets caught. Right? He gets caught in a moment of weakness. And, 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 and the rooster crows three times. He denies Jesus three times. And so that same Peter later, writing to the church, writes this. And, and the same Peter who thought, man, I could, I, God, I could never mess up. Man, I could never fail you. I could never forsake you. He writes this. He says, be sober-minded, church. Whoa. Be uh, alert, church. He says, your adversary, you could put in the word oppressor there, 
The devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by... Now look at this. Who are they they being experienced by? By your fellow believers throughout the world. So church, I want to tell you a really important truth. Satan doesn't just want to tie you up in bondage before you know Christ so that you'll die and go to hell. That's his ultimate goal. That's his ultimate goal. But when Jesus sets you free, right? When the the Holy Spirit brings you to life, and when you cry out to God, God save me, God saves you, you're forgiven, uh, the whole record books are changed, you become a child of God. Like listen, it's not over then. And and too many people I know, I think they they think, man, it's over, it's, it's done, and I don't have to worry about the enemy. No, no friends, the enemy's just getting started. Right? Because, because now that you've come to life, He wants to make sure that God won't use you to be a part of anyone else coming to life. And so He's going to come up against you and He's going to come up strong. And how does He attack us? And the Bible says He, he does it like a lion. Now that's important. That's important. Right? How, does, how does a lion attack? Right? The lion, the lion creeps. And the lion watches. And the lion is patient, and the lion waits, and the lion works with other lions. We know Satan's the lion, we've we've got several fallen angels with him that are demons, and and they try to separate the weak ones from the herd. And so, so if we think through this, what does that look like? Well, it looks like, right, any time that I let my guard down, that's what happened with Peter. Maybe a moment of pride, and and, and man, whew, it's all it takes is just one moment. Maybe when I get tired, right? maybe there's different triggers. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but listen, I need you to know this. This is important. So the devil attacks like a lion. And listen, who does he attack? It says it right here. Your brothers and sisters. It's being experienced by fellow believers. And so don't ever believe the lie that Satan has done with you because you've come to know Christ. No, uh, Satan is now going to make sure that God can't use you. That's what he's going to try to convince you of. Uh, he, he's going to come full force against you. Okay? That's the truth. So we've got bad news. We've got good news. We've got bad news. We won't end there. One more thing you need to know. Ready? Is that Jesus is faithful. Jesus is faithful and he continues to forgive and break the bonds of spiritual oppression. Jesus is faithful and he continues to forgive and break the bonds of spiritual oppression, right? Where sin increases, grace increases. And, and listen, I, I, I'm going to read to you from 1 John in a second, but I, I thought about the Apostle Paul when, when I was thinking through these things. Like Even Paul says, listen, I, I, I don't do the things that I want to do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. He talks about the sin that is living within him. And, and here's the beauty If God can use somebody like that, then He can use somebody like me. And He can use somebody like you. And one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible, because it reminds me in all my moments where I fail, where I I, I wander off and, and I get attacked, this beauty of the gospel, this truth that Jesus will always receive me and forgive me. And it's 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us 
of our sins and ready to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that means that any time you find yourself caught in sin again, okay, and it's going to happen. Listen, I, I love you. I'm, 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 not, I'm not trying to de-spiritualize your walk with Christ. I'm just, I'm just telling you from my own personal experience, I think when you, when you study the life of Paul or Peter, the people that we've put up on these spiritual pedestals, that they struggled with sin too. And, and so what I'm going to say to you, listen, as a Christian and a follower of Christ, at some point you will probably let your guard down and the enemy's going to get you. And when you sin, the problem with sin is that it skillfully surrounds us, that it entangles us, and that it entraps us. Sin is never content to stay contained. It works its way into every crack and crevice that we allow it, and, 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 it, and it brings us back into that, that bondage. Now, now listen, I still belong to Jesus, but I'm useless I'm useless, man. I don't feel like I belong to Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm not praying like I, I should. I'm not reading like I should. I'm not worshiping like I should. I, I don't see the fruit in my life like I should. And, and I'm useless. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make you useless. And here is the beauty of the gospel. That God doesn't stop at the moment of your conversion. Your salvation. No, He is still working. And the Bible says even when we are faithless... He's faithful. And at any point you find yourself caught, and I use that word caught, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That means the sin that so skillfully surrounds. Any time you find yourself caught back up in sin, you can turn to Jesus for forgiveness. You know, this, this week I thought a lot about uh, sin and, and, and patterns of sin and how we get caught in that again. How could we who have experienced the grace and the beauty of forgiveness of Christ ever return back to our old ways? Why would it be, be so dumb to do that? And the truth is, well, we are dumb. We are. We're dumb. Right? The Bible calls us sheep. We're, we're not the smartest animals on the face of the planet. And guys, there's a lot of triggers, man. There's a lot of triggers. I, I shared with the guys before we started, one of my biggest triggers is loneliness goes back a long way, right? And maybe, maybe that's you. If that's you and that's one of your triggers, how, how difficult has these last few months been, right? And, and, and so, so maybe, you know, it, it's having a few more drinks than you should. Maybe it's getting lazy in the things that you watch. Maybe Whatever that well is that you turn to, maybe the enemy has got his hooks in you. And I want you to know this morning that it doesn't have to be that way. Okay? It doesn't have to be that way. So what, what do we do because of a message like that? Three things and I'll, I'll be quiet. Uh, first and foremost, I think we look to God for mercy. We look to God for mercy. So three times David says, show us favor, Lord. That word in Hebrew means mercy. So, so he doesn't cry out. And in other Psalms, David says, God, I want justice. I want you to kick that dude's butt. That's what David says in other Psalms. We started that way, right? Kick that dude's butt, Lord, is kind of where, where, where we start. But, but listen, in, in this one, he doesn't say kick that dude's butt. In this one, he says, I need mercy. God, show us mercy. And, and why would somebody that is oppressed, instead of saying, I want justice, say, I need mercy? And the reason is because it's the greater need, right? Because it's the greater need. Listen, even if there was justice and, and Satan got what he deserved, and, and listen, he's gonna, he's gonna, but even if there was justice, we still have a need, right? We still have a need. What we need is God. We need your mercy. 
We need your mercy because we have been caught up in this, right? And so don't stop short of mercy. That's the greater need. Is we look to God for, for mercy, right? Second thing, guys, is we have to submit ourselves fully to God. If you find yourself, this is where you are. So you look to God, God, I need mercy. And then you have to surrender yourself completely um, to, to God, right? And, and, and so the key here is in verse 2. It says, like a servant's eyes on his master's hands, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. Listen, this is what David is saying. He's like, God, I'm surrendering to you like a slave. And some people think, well, that's, that's, that's wrong. I mean, I mean, come on, we're talking about oppression. So I'm going to go out of, out of being a slave to sin. And, and now I'm just supposed to be a slave to God? Yeah, that's the gospel, right? But, but one is because you didn't have a choice. The other is because of the rich mercy and grace and love of God, you willfully choose to spend the rest of your life in service to the one that has saved you. It's a different kind of being a slave. Paul writes it like this in Romans 6.18. He says, having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. You chose you came back to God and said, hey God, I know you've set me free, but I want you to put this marker in my ear. For the rest of my life, I want to serve you because you're good, right? I want to be your bond servant. Which brings me to the last thing. Last point. We have to resist the devil by daily getting dressed for spiritual battle. You've got to resist the devil by daily getting dressed for spiritual battle. And, and listen, uh, these two things go hand in hand. And so uh, maybe you have read this before in the book of James, chapter 4, uh, verse 7. James writes, therefore submit to God. Now we just talked about that. A willful submission unto God. God, I want to be your bondservant. But then he says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And, and a, a lot of people have quoted that verse to me and said, well, you just got to resist the devil. And I, I, I'm an idiot and so I have to dig a little deeper. And I got to go, well, how do I do that? How do I resist the devil? Because I try and I fail. Like there's got to be a key. And, and I'm, friends, I'm going to tell you, I believe the key is found in Ephesians 6, verse 11 through 13. And it says this, it says, put on the full armor of God. So that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. So you want to stand, if you want to resist, you've got to have on this armor of God. It says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, ready, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to what? Resist in the evil day. So if you want to resist, man, you've got to have on the armor of God. And so here's what I want to say to you this morning, just where you are uh, in your homes. Whenever you watch us, I know some are watching live stream, some are going to watch us later, but you need to hear this. Okay? Some of you, some of you, uh, man, you are living in the victory right now. You have come to know Jesus and, and you are free of all of those old ways and all of that bondage. And man, praise God for you. I want to encourage you I want to encourage you, don't stop pursuing Jesus. That's the answer. Every day you need Him. There's going to be days that come, you think, I got this. You're going to have that attitude of Peter. Lord, I never deny you. Man, don't let it happen because the enemy is prowling and he's waiting and he will get you. So daily, you've got to get dressed, okay? But then there's two other groups of people. Now one group, one group... You have never experienced the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. 
And so you are oppressed. You're under the hand of the oppressor, under the hand of Satan. The Bible would say that he's your father right now. And you've never experienced freedom. Okay? You've never experienced life. And, and, and you say, what do I do with that? Well, the, the Bible says Jesus came to this earth. He lived a life you couldn't. He died in your place so that you could be set free from the penalty of sin, which is death. And so when we pass from this life to the next, and we all will, we don't have to be separated from God anymore. The Bible says we were made in His image. We are made to be with Him. And so you can be with God. But to do that, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. And so, so to the first group that's experiencing that oppression, today needs to be the day that you cry out for the first time, King Jesus, come into my life and save me from the hands of this evil one. I'm tired of the hurt. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the distance. I need you to come into my life. And I just want to encourage you, pray something like that. God will honor that. Okay, but then there's a whole other group. And you're the folks I want to talk to because uh, I'm the president of your club, right? And that is the group of us that so often on our own and by ourselves we decide for some stupid reason, I've got this, right? I've, I've got this. And, and, and for some dumb reason, we wake up one morning and we get lazy. And we're like, you know what? I don't need to read my Bible today. Or maybe I don't need to pray today. Or, and it's just, it's just the littlest, minutest thing. You think, man, that's not a big deal. Or, or, or maybe today I'm going to focus on my fear and anxiety starts to creep in. Next thing we know, it's a month later, anxiety has gripped us and we can do nothing. Right? I'm just going to watch this one thing and, and a month later that, that one thing, that vile thing is, is the thing we're thinking about. We've gone so far down into the rabbit hole that we are stuck, right? I'm just going to have one more drink. Probably one more than I should. But, but man, this thing, this loneliness is just getting to me. I just, I just need something so it'll help me sleep. And before we know it, a month later, and man, we feel like we've got to have it. So here's what I want to say to you. Because if that's you, man, that's been me before. Here's how you feel right now. You feel so stuck and so dirty and so unusable. You feel, and you feel like trash. You do, don't you? You feel like junk. Because I've been there too many times. But here is the truth. God doesn't make junk. God doesn't make junk. And you are never too dirty to turn to God, and you are never too dirty for Him to make you clean. And so I want to say this to you. I want to beg you this morning. Refuse to stay living under the hand of the oppressor. That is not God's plan for your life. God's plan is not that you'd be stuck there. God's plan is not that you'd never get back up. God's plan is not that you would never carry on. That is not God's will for your life. That's not who you are. God says you are loved. God says you are treasured. God says you are His. God says you will overcome. God says He began a work in you and He will finish it. And so what do we do when we feel the hand of the oppressor and we, we feel like junk and we feel like we can't overcome and we feel like we can't be forgiven and we feel like we can't be good enough and we feel so distant from God. What do we do? We look to God and say, God, I need mercy. Then we come before God and say, God, the best way I know how, I'm giving you all this junk. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Cleanse me. 
I, I don't feel worthy of it, but God, forgive me, please. And the promise of God is that he will. And so what I'm going to do this morning, it's weird, kind of TV-wise, I'm going to ask you right there in your living room to just bow your head. And listen, you probably don't even have to say it out loud. You know the area that you're struggling if you're struggling. You know the shame that comes with that and all the regret. You've heard the enemy speaking into your ear. You're nothing. God can't use you. Man, you don't even know him. If you knew him, you wouldn't still be struggling with this. Well, Paul struggled. Peter struggled. Right? James struggled. And so, so what, what do we do with that? What we do is we come before God and say, God, I'm going to be honest. I've messed up. And I feel stuck. But God, I know you're good. Would you meet me here in this? Would you change me? And as you pray, Jacob's just going to sing over us right now. Just as you pray, as you pray, just let Jacob sing this truth over you about who you are as you pray. And I am blessed, I am called, healed, I am whole, I am saved. Jesus' name, I need favor, anointed, filled with your power for the